This is the Rocky Mountain Review for February 4th, 2021. I'm your host, Dakota Babcock. And I'm Ivy Winfrey. And you're listening to KCSU Fort Collins. On today's show, I'll be giving new updates on campus and local news. KCSU Sports has prepared some highlights from CSU's volleyball press conference, and we'll also be hearing Maddie Erskine's interview with local band The Glass Cases. Then I'll be delivering national news before Ivy speaks to Aaron Shanley to talk about Fort Collins' connection. Then Coda will be giving updates on COVID-19. To conclude the show, I'll be giving some information on tech news, and Ivy will update us on the strangest things happening in the world. Let's move right into campus and local news. Hello there, my name is Ivy Winfrey, and you're listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. This is your local news on the Rocky Mountain Review. CSU has changed who is required to get a weekly COVID saliva screening. According to CSU Pandemic Preparedness Team, juniors, seniors, graduate students, professional students, and second bachelor students attending one or more face-to-face classes or labs are now required to screen weekly for COVID in addition to those previously required starting Monday, February 8th. The Pandemic Preparedness Team has made sure to mention that you should not go to the saliva screening location if you have symptoms. Instead, you should report your symptoms through the COVID reporter on RamLab and that the public health office will contact you to set up a test. Those interested in more information are being encouraged to visit the CSU COVID website, covid.colostate.edu, which contains a map of the screening location, screening hours, required screening registration link, and the required link to the scheduler. A new survey is asking for input from Larimer County residents on affordable housing challenges and solutions. According to Sadie Swanson at the Coloradoan, a news release states that the survey is being conducted as a part of Larimer County's affordable housing needs study to get a clearer picture of housing challenges and to identify housing priorities in the county. According to the news release, quote, Housing for some Larimer County residents has become more challenging in recent years, and the study will provide valuable information to prioritize and help form housing policy solutions, end quote. Addressing affordable housing is one of the goals of the county's 2019-2023 strategic plan. The county's goal is to reduce the amount of people who pay more than 30% of their income towards housing by at least 5% by 2023. The online survey includes questions and activities for residents to provide feedback on current challenges with affordable housing and potential solutions. The survey takes about 10 minutes to complete and is open through the end of February. It is available in complete English and Spanish. The county is working with a root policy to conduct the survey, and all responses will be kept private. To provide additional feedback outside the survey or for more information about the study, contact root policy at Hello at rootpolicy.org. Larimer County residents can find the survey at larimer.housingimpactlab.com. Fort Collins City Council has approved a ballot measure to vote on banning plastic bags. According to J.C. Marmaduke at the Coloradoan, Fort Collins City Council approved a ballot measure Tuesday that will ask voters that the city should ban single-use plastic bags for large grocers starting in May 2022. The City Council would be able to expand the policy down the line to include other retailers and other single-use plastics, such as takeout food containers, straws, and utensils. Council approved the measure on first reading with a 5-2 vote. 
Mayor Wade Troxell and Councilmember Ken Summers voted no. It will technically be placed on the ballot after second reading on February 16th, but the majority vote is not likely to change. If approved by voters in the April 6th municipal election, the policy would ban single-use point-of-sale plastic bags at large grocers, meaning retail stores with at least 10,000 square feet in size would sell all or most of the following items, staple foods, meat, produce, dairy products, frozen foods, or other perishable items primarily for human consumption. Paper bags would be available at those stores for a 12-cent fee. The policy wouldn't include dog waste bags, trash bags, or other kinds of single-use plastic bags. Initial implementation of the program would cost the city about $87,500. After that, the paper bag fee would fund implementation and be split 50-50 between the city and the uh, retailers charging the fee. That's all the local news I have for today. I'm Ivy Winfrey. We'll be right back with sports news, only on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. And that's why 90.5 KCSU is Northern Colorado's best radio station. Are there any questions, class? Class? Can, can someone maybe unmute themselves? Maybe even show your face in the video chat or something? Class? Class, hello? Am I talking to myself? Is this how your video class looks? Even if it may feel strange to work in a classroom where everyone is behind a screen like you, try to remember your professors are human too. Being present with verbal audio and your live camera is a great way to show them that they aren't just talking to a blank computer screen. For more tips on how to rock remote learning, keep listening to 90.5 KCSU. Good afternoon, it's Jonathan Gillen for KCSU Sports. We have an action-packed weekend to tell you about. First of all, starting with just tonight, yes, Thursday, February 4th, the women's swimming and diving team is facing the Air Force in a diving invitational at the Air Force Academy. Women's basketball is playing Wyoming at 6 p.m. and men's basketball is playing at Wyoming as well at 7 p.m. On Friday, Track and field is at Wyoming. And then the women, women's swimming and diving diving invitation continues. And also the women's swimming and diving is also team is also playing Northern Colorado at 5 p.m. Do you smell that? Because I smell that. And that is the call or the scent of the Mountain West Championship lingering over Northern Colorado. Yes, volleyball is back. The first game of the year is versus Air Force at 7 p.m. Friday night. 
followed by the next next game on the 6th at 7 p.m. as well. And additionally, we had a press conference on Monday where Coach Tom Hilbert spoke, but also star player Brianna Reynolds spoke, and we're going to air that today. Hey, Bri, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Good. Uh, it's been 14 months since you guys have played competitively. Does this feel like the longest 14 months of, uh, of your life? Yeah, it's definitely been quite the stretch, especially because I didn't even participate in the fall. So when you look at you got you're losing five starters from last year's team and two of them are your middles. Um, the middle has always been an important position on this team offensively and defensively. What have you liked about your young middles that gives you confidence? Um, well, I can say that we have like a lot of potential, which some which sometimes can go bad, but our potential is really good. Like they're doing a great job. They're learning so much and so quickly and all of us are just ready to play and you can see it. Is that a position you actually start the season with confidence, even though you haven't seen them play? Oh yeah. I'm very confident in pretty much everyone who's on the our court right now. Um, they were there in the fall. I was not. And so they were getting their development even when I wasn't there, but I'm confident in them for sure. Just how eager are you guys all for, for Friday night to finally get a match in? Um, it's it's quite crazy to think that this Friday is when it's starting because normally we would be in our preseason games, we'd be playing some tournaments and getting that experience before actual conference. But I think we're all ready. The girls have waited long enough and so have I. You kind of touch on it there. Obviously, it's a different type of season with, with no non-conference games and things like that. How does that change uh, just kind of how you approach everything this season? Um, it's a little bit different just because we haven't got our first game jitters out um, this past weekend. We did a scrimmage against ourselves, and it's really different to play an opposing team, learning about what they're doing, learning about different tempos. And we've kind of just been doing what we do every day. But I don't know. I think we'll be ready, um, despite the fact that we haven't played yet. Does this feel, I mean, maybe it's too early to say, does it feel, you know, kind of like a normal season, even though it's a different time or, or is it pretty, you know, unique and different now? Um, just um, with all. Yeah, it's very unique. And I would definitely say it's very different. There's not going to be any fans, which we definitely play off the energy. Um, we know there's going to be like artificial noise, but I don't know. I guess the game's not going to change in any way. So we just have to keep that mentality. Hey, Bree, with your record setting career, you're used to drawing, you know, extra defensive assignments um, <clears throat> from the opposing team. You better prepared for that this year as you head into the season? Um, yeah, I mean, year five, I'm ready. I hope they are too. <laughs> Is outstanding as you've developed as a hitter. Are you most proud of the fact that you've become a very solid and reliable six rotation player in your career? For sure. I mean, that's something that even with my experience, I'm still developing. You know, I'm playing with different people now as well. So being a good teammate and still enhancing my skills is very important to me. Brianna, I think I counted eight freshmen. How do you feel about being in a, more of a leadership role, especially with all these young players? Um, it's very it's a very different role for me because I'm not the most verbal person. I'm kind of action based. And so being gone last semester versus now, I'm still learning about these players. I'm still learning like what makes them tick and what calms them down. But 
eight new players. I mean, when in my class, we were six new players. So it doesn't feel very much different for me. I know it's kind of early to tell. And I know you're just obviously getting into this. But what do you feel like the identity of this team will be? Or who do you want this team to be? Um, well, CSU, I feel like CSU volleyball, we're always going to maintain the same like the same aspect of people want to be us. You know, we we came out with the ranking last week that we're expected to be first. Um, but I don't think that anything's really going to change from last year versus this year, whether it's early or not, we're still going to come out and play some hard volleyball. Once again, that was CSU star player Brianna Reynolds giving her take on the upcoming season and how confident the Rams are. And once again, those games are heard live here on KCSU Fort Collins 90.5 FM. If you are missing more sports in your life, we have podcast series, articles, and all that can be found at kcsufm.com. That's all I have for sports. Thank you to all the listeners out there. For KCSU Sports, I'm Jonathan Gillum, and I'll catch you next time. Hi, my name is Maddie Erskine, and today I am super excited to share local band Glass Case's new song, Chemicals, with you all, along with an amazing interview I had with vocalist and bassist Alex about the inspiration behind this new single. My first question is, who are like some of the musicians that are inspiring you right now and maybe helped inspire this single? Definitely some mainstream alternative artists like AJR, um, definitely up there, 21 Pilots. Yeah, definitely I can hear that. <laughs> yeah, as far as the instrumentation. Um, yeah, with the ukulele. <laughs> yes, in the ukulele. There's actually no ukulele in the song. Keyboards, um, right? Is that what it is? Because so you still have like yeah. the same kind of high-pitched ukulele vibe, but I was like, it's, it doesn't quite sound the same. <laughs> yes, it's, it's piano and then some synth and um, yeah, exactly. It's funny. It's still got that same like overall vibe without yeah. the ukulele. Um, so definitely lots of synth. I don't know if you know Half Alive. Um, they're pretty like in the same like same music stylings as those two. But I'd say those are probably top three. Um, nice for this yeah awesome we've all met back like 2017 ish um you and austin knowing each other for a very long time um how have you changed and grown as like a band and musicians the change austin and i grew up playing guitar and we don't play guitar at all for this band like there's just no guitar that's a huge change i think playing guitar growing up made us musicians and like familiar with playing and making music but it definitely morphed us into what we are now. Now we're keyboard, ukulele. The yeah. ukulele is like the, you know, the sort of the guitar now. Yeah. <laughs> and um, especially within the past two years, I think we've become a lot better music producers and songwriters. Um, for sure. Austin's song, writ written songs for like a decade. Mm -hmm. I, newer to it like I wrote chemicals yeah. but I wouldn't have been able to do that without Austin's influence and kind of yeah you know raising me <laughs> um definitely you you grow with the people you're around and kind of ad adopt their skills a bit <laughs> exactly exactly so overall it's we become kind of like a jack of all trades mm -hmm. um, especially Austin and I Cameron's very 
uh, being the drummer, he's an incredibly talented drummer. Um, he's also good at marketing. Yeah. So um, we all kind of have roles to fill in the band, but, and then, yeah, I don't know. Lots of things have really developed. Um, it's been pretty cool to experience. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. When I listened to Chemicals, I really related to the lyric that's like, I'm just doing my best here with a brain that switches to first gear after doing 65. What were some of like the emotions and thoughts that you were trying to convey with these lyrics in this song? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> I definitely, I think I was on a run. I was on a run. And um, I mean, it's it's like everyday struggles, like everybody has, yep. like definitely like everyday mood swings. Like, it, it, you know, I, I mean, I have that all the time where I'm like, start the morning off great. And then like something happens, like you get an annoying email and you're just like, oh gosh. And it's like a metaphor of driving your car. You're like hauling down the road, 65 miles per hour. You're, you know, your hands out of, out of the window, you're chilling and then you slam on the brakes. Um, it happens. I don't know. I, yeah. And that's the point. Exactly. That lyric. Yeah. And you're just doing your best. I love that line. Like it's very relatable. Like you're literally just doing the best. You can. That is my favorite line for sure. Cause it's, and I also drive a stick shift car. So I just found that funny as well. Just because yeah. like, I imagine myself like physically shifting it into first and then the car going like, <laughs> right. Exactly. I forgot that line was in there. I switches to first gear and then you're like, <laughs> <laughs> crunches the gears. It's rough. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So my next question is, you know, like this is the first professionally produced music video you're going to have, which is super exciting. So what's in store? It's a good question. Um, we've been working our tails off to get it to as many music blogs as we can hmm. um, pre-release. What's in store is definitely like a new visual side for people to relate to, to us, yeah. to really see what we look like, what our creative mindset is, what, you know, uh, just yeah. our overall vibe as a band really develops with a video, a video like this, using it as a tool, really, like it's a great thing to just get to know us for people who don't know us. Um, and I don't know, just to help have it help us grow um, and get new fans, I guess. I don't know. I yeah. think that's a huge part of it. Um, I'm a very visual, like I love good visuals from a band and I'm very happy Same. to finally be at this point um, for glass cases. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's super exciting. And I saw just, you know, the photo from it with the gas station and it looks like it's going to be a very, very well done video. I'm excited to see it. <laughs> well, I think it's time to hear this new song coming up is Chemicals by Glass Cases right here on 90.5 KCSU.
Bring that switches to first gear After doing 65 Just wanna keep the hot Oh, na 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 Oh, I'm just doing my best here With the Bring that switches to first gear After doing 65 I just wanna keep the You just heard Chemicals by Glass Cases, releasing on January 31st. My name is Maddie Erskine, and I am so excited that I got to share that new song with you all today and to share more of my conversation with bassist and vocalist Alex. Yeah, um, what impact do you ha- uh, want to have with your music, and what do you hope listeners and fans can take away from it? I think there's kind of a duality to that question in my intense um, chemicals, especially, I wrote to just be chill catchy and happy yeah Um, and I think I've learned that the music is just as important as the lyrics Mm -hmm. Uh, and 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 the music changes how the lyrics are absorbed I guess definitely Um, so writing music that like this song that just people can groove out to and just enjoy listening to but at the same time, for the people, not everyone's in tune with lyrics. Like, not everyone yeah. loves lyrics, and that's okay. But at the same time, like, you noticing, I'm just doing my best here. It just gives you something to, like, kind of sing in your head after you've listened to the song and make you feel a little bit better about your day. Yeah. Um, that, like, it's normal to go through these things. Um, We've talked about, like, our album that we released last March. Mm-hmm. Very mental health focused. Yeah. Making sure people know they're not alone, especially during COVID. I mean, yeah. it, you know, it's hard. I mean, I'm alone a good chunk of my day every day, you know, so music helps. So that's it. Help. I yeah. agree. I think yeah. it's really tough for everyone because a lot of our normal outlets of, you know, hanging out with our friends, that's not really a safe option. So <laughs> Right, exactly. And meeting new people, like, yep. mm-hmm. in class right now, like, and you were in class, like, you yeah. normally be, meet new people. So. Exactly. But that's okay. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, music gives me an opportunity to help people find a little bit of joy, you know, or introspectiveness yeah. in their day. So, exactly. Well, that was beautiful. Is there anything else you'd like listeners or readers to know? Um, I think. One primary thing, the song is definitely tied together by like kind of a Christian undertone Mm -hmm. and you don't have to be Christian to relate to it, but the bridge is essentially asking like why you're not happy where you are. Um, And my personal belief, like I'm a big fan of C.S. Lewis who wrote like Narnia and stuff, bringing some of my like Christian background into that is we're not meant to be here on earth you know it's not our final resting place if you're christian you believe you're going to heaven and that's what's going to fulfill you that's i'm not a super super religious person Mm -hmm. but something about the philosophy and spirituality behind that means a lot to me in this song i didn't make it super prevalent but i just wanted to put that in there um the final line of the bridge is this isn't where i'm meant to be and it's 
I like sharing that and not being overbearing either. Like, it's not like I'm telling people, you know, I mean, trust me, I struggle myself <laughs> with, with, you know, faith and everything. And um, it helps me just keep the wheels turning. Like, what is this all about? Yeah. So, yeah. And then I hope you enjoy the music video. I think it'll give you a little more insight. Um, like, aspect of it. yeah. Um, like there's Austin and Cameron have these masks on. I don't know if you saw it in the photo, mm-hmm. but okay. Yeah. They're essentially like my, like good thoughts and bad thoughts as they follow me down the road. So um, you'll like it, I think. So I'm excited. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) If you missed any of today's segment, no need to worry. It will be up on our website, kcsufm.com on Monday after the release of Glass Cases single Chemicals this Sunday, the 31st. My name is Maddie Erskine, and thank you all so much for listening to KCSU Fort Collins. Radio vibes. Oh, I got you, BB. You know that college radio is more than just the Coachella lineup, right? It's also like metal and sports and EDM and news and jazz and KCSU, where college radio is more than just college radio. And we're back on the Rocky Mountain Review. You just heard from Maddie Erskine and the local band Glass Cases. Now for national news highlights for Thursday. As of Thursday morning, Biden is preparing to announce an end to U.S. support for a Saudi-led offensive effort in Yemen. According to Ellen Nickmeyer of the Associated Press, the offensive effort has worsened humanitarian issues in the country and killed many civilians. The offensive first started in 2015 under former President Barack Obama. This action was promised in Biden's election campaign as a pledge to end all the conflicts in Yemen completely. This action is accompanied by Biden's announcement that he will select Timothy Letterking as special envoy to Yemen today. Letterking is a career Foreign Service member and has served in various countries within the Middle East. The U.S. House of Representatives is preparing to vote to decide whether or not Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene can help to committee assi- can keep to committee assignments. According to Barbara Sprunt and National Public Radio, this is following uproar over her recent issues related to racism, anti-Semitism, promoting conspiracy theories, as well as her support for the violent uprising at the Capitol in January. In addition to this, Green has also advocated violence against Democratic leaders, including some of her colleagues. Wednesday, a resolution was advanced to remove Green from multiple committee positions. Green has recently faced criticism from prominent Republican leaders for her harmful rhetoric, including Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell. Multiple other Congress people have recently been stripped of roles and committees based on code of conduct. 
Democrats in Congress are continuing work on a new stimulus bill. According to Luke Broadwater and Jim Tangersley at the New York Times, the stimulus plan included a but included Biden's pandemic aid plan and the new blueprint for economic aid would only require a simple majority, meaning that Republican support wouldn't be necessary for pushing aid out to the public. Biden is referring to this bill as the American Rescue Plan. Senator Ron Wyden said of the stimulus, quote, there's a real sense that there's real consequences of going small. There's real consequences of stalling. What Republicans really haven't gotten their arms around is what we're proposing here has strong support from the American people, end quote. While Democratic leaders are still hoping for bipartisan support in this, many are more concerned with making sure that struggling Americans are able to get the necessary financial aid to feel relief from the pandemic. McKinsey and Company, a consulting firm, is settling opioid claims throughout the U.S. for $573 million. According to Bryce Mann from National Public Radio, nearly 50 states and the District of Columbia are included in the settlement, and funds will be focused on paying for treatment and rehabilitation in communities most impacted by the opioid epidemic. McKinsey admits no wrongdoing in marketing and boosting sales over high-risk opioids. State courts will be going through the approval process for these settlements. That's all for national news highlights. Now we're going to be hearing from Ivy Winfrey and Aaron Shanley about Fort Collins Connection, a new municipal internet program for the city. After that, you can tune into Tech News in about 10 minutes. Today I am joined by Aaron Shanley, Broadband Marketing Manager for the City of Fort Collins Connection, here to talk with us today about Fort Collins's internet program, Fort Collins Connection. Aaron, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Ivy. So to start off, for our listeners who might not have heard of it, what exactly is Fort Collins Connection? So Fort Collins Connection is the city municipal broadband. So we are bringing gigabit speed internet to the entire city of Fort Collins. Um, regardless of where you live, um, you will have access and opportunity to sign up for the service. We are also bringing um, home phone and video services, and this is for both residential and business customers. I understand um, Connection uses fiber internet. Um, uh, how, what exactly is fiber internet? So fiber internet um, utilizes fiber optic technology. So fiber optic is essentially a strand of glass um, that runs through conduit. And it is significantly faster, it's cleaner, it's more efficient, it's also more secure. Um, so you're gonna get your fastest speeds possible using a fiber uh, connectivity than you would say a coaxial cable or a phone line. Um, fiber really is the future technology and it's where um, other communities and organizations in the country that have gigabit uh, speed internets, they're all using fiber. So how fast are we talking in terms of compared to what people usually get? So Fort Collins Connection is offering up to 10 gigs. Um, our standard product is one gig, which is a thousand megabits. And that is up and down. We have symmetrical speeds. So you can imagine, you know, where some people um, in town may only get a few megabits. Some people may get 50, some might get 500. It's kind of all over the board, um, but with connection, um, you will absolutely get one gigabit speeds. And if you're so inclined, you can sign up for our 10 gig speed. Um, what's some of the history behind this program? Like how did it get started in some of the major milestones? Yeah, this has actually been a long-standing project for the city of Fort Collins. 
Um, I would say community outreach really started back in 2014. Um, CSU was and, and the city of Fort Collins were involved in Gig University, which was sponsored by um, Google. And uh, there was kind of a contest to see if you could bring uh, fiber to the community. We didn't win, but it actually really spurred a lot of interest in potentially getting gigabit speed internet into Fort Collins. Um, the city actually did, we go through a budgeting for outcomes process every year. And so it became a priority in 2014. And then in 2015, uh, the city actually hired some consulting firms to really do some benchmark community case studies, taking a look at other communities around the country that have fiber to really see how that worked. Now, there was something really important that we want to make note of. Um, up until November of 2015, um, there was this thing called Senate Bill 152, and that basically outlawed um, municipalities like the city of Fort Collins from even exploring broadband service. Um, we brought that to a vote to our residents, and it was overturned at over 83%, which means that we were actually given the green light to then start taking a look at really getting serious about uh, broadband internet for our community. Um, you know, we had a lot of work done with, you know, feasibility analyses and market demands and all of these things to really determine, does this make sense for our community? Um, and we um, narrowed it down to a couple different um, types of, of uh, options. The city ultimately decided on a retail model, which essentially is that the city would provide, manage, and operate um, the entire network itself rather than working with a third party. Um, in, in November 2017 is when we actually had a, a special ballot measure um, to basically add telecommunication services to the utilities charter, essentially making it an additional utility for the city of Fort Collins. And that was approved by voters by up to 57%. Um, we issued about $150 million in bonds and we launched connection in um, the official launch. We had a launch sort of unveiling in 2018 in July, but our official launch was in February of 2019. And we have been cooking ever since. So what's some of the justification behind having a town run internet service rather than buying the internet from an ISP like Comcast? That is a great question. The problem with right now, and especially in the city of Fort Collins, is that there is an uneven distribution of internet services and speeds, depending on where you live in our city. Um, there are some areas where you only have one option. You have one provider and that's it. In other areas, you may have more than one option, but your speeds might be all over the board compared to someone who lives a couple blocks away from you. Um, the city, prior to even jumping into the, the fiber optic network sort of realm, actually went to our local incumbents and we said, you know, what can we do to work with you all to improve the coverage of our network and the speeds for our community? And we were basically told, you know what, this is a natural progression. Things are fine where they are. You know, when demand increases, we'll, we'll move forward, but we're really not going to do anything right now. And the city decided that was not good enough. Um, the goal of providing municipal broadband is that we will have ubiquitous coverage for the entire city of Fort Collins. And again, as I mentioned, it doesn't matter where you live or where you're located, 
you will have access to the gigabit speed internet. Um, it's a natural fit in many ways to have it become part of our utilities. You know, we have our water, our wastewater, our electric, et cetera. And so having it as an additional utility um, where all of the dollars are going to go back into the network in our community made a lot of sense. And this is allowing us to really provide that coverage um, that was so lacking for our community. I will say there's also a benefit with having um, brought municipal broadband to the table. We are already seeing our competition um, expanding their network, providing more fiber in different areas, increasing their speeds, and also lowering their prices. So it's a win-win whether you take our, our service or whether you stick with your, you know, the, the local incumbent, um, you're benefiting from the fact that the city of Fort Collins is now offering municipal broadband. Is this program a unique innovation by Fort Collins or is it going based on work that was done in other cities? It is unique for Fort Collins, but it also is based on work that's happened in other cities. You know, we have seen, you know, we have Loveland um, who is launching and in fact, they're starting to install fiber optic at this park. And then of course you have Longmont, which really kind of paved the way for Northern Colorado. Um, fiber optic, broadband, uh, gigabit speeds is definitely a growing trend across the country. Um, Chattanooga, Tennessee was the first gig city in the, uh, in the country. Um, and our, we were fortunate enough to have um, Coleman Keene, who came from that running that broadband initiative, who is now our executive director. So it's becoming a very popular movement um, because of the fact that um, there are monopolies that are handled by the telecommunications companies and people are very restricted with their options as well as the speeds they're able to receive. But for Fort Collins, I think it was a tremendous step um, and it really was taking a look at, you know, how we can uh, build now and then take care of our community in the future. So how is the city of Fort Collins going about getting access to connection to everybody? So we had, uh, we have a, a plan um, and we really, uh, we had a business plan that was created in 2017. We made some modifications on how we were doing the rollout slightly. Uh, we decided to do a more of a controlled release rather than a really um, immediate instant ramp up. And that was in part to make sure that all of our processes and procedures on the back end were working perfectly. If you can imagine, having a startup company essentially like broadband network suddenly coming into a well-established utility service, um, you know, there can be some uh, real changes on how things are done. So we wanted to make sure that was really seamless, both for our uh, internal partners and our, and our employees that are assisting with this, as well as making sure that we provided a, an exceptional customer experience. Um, you know, I think, with the plan, we essentially um, had a build out of 36 to 48 months. We are on target, so we will be completing the build out in Q4 of 2022. And we have construction that is moving around the city of Fort Collins. Um, we're not really staying in one area, we're kind of jumping around and that is intentional. We have what's called a design build. And essentially, it's a 90 day build where we go into an area, we design it, we build it, then we move to the next area. Um, this is a little bit different than say what Longmont or Loveland did where they called in engineers and had them design ahead of time and then roll out the building, uh, the building, excuse me. 
So one of the things that was really important for us, particularly because we are 100% underground, is that you can run into some very interesting things as you start to build in an area. Um, Old Town, for example, there is a lot of complex infrastructure underground. And so we have to be really mindful of how we're designing that. So if we run into bedrock or we find some existing infrastructure that we didn't know was there, it wasn't on any plans or designing, we're not suddenly going to be completely held up. We'll be able to move to another location and bring a crew in that then will be able to take on the rest of that work. Um, so it's really a, a, um, a move and it's a big partnership as well with our, our peers in Light and Power, um, build, designing and building and moving across the city to implement the, the network. Where can our listeners go to find out more about the program? So our listeners, or your listeners, I should say, can go to FC Connection. That's connection with an X because we marketing people like to make things interesting. So fcconnection.com. And they can sign up um, to uh, receive an email notification as soon as service is available in their area. We also have a lot of great product information and videos about the installation process, both the pre-installation and your in-home. So there's some really good information available for people to learn more. All right, that's all I have. Uh, Again, we have been speaking with Aaron Shanley, Broadband Marketing Manager for Fort Collins Connection. Aaron, thanks so much for joining us today. Ivy, thank you so much for having me. Amplify Lives Through Music is a local nonprofit serving the areas of Larimer and Weld counties. They are dedicated to helping underprivileged youth heal from the isolation caused by COVID-19 by providing access to musical instruments, workshops, and mentors. More information is available on their website at amplifylives.org. That's A-M-P-L-I-F-Y-L-I-V-E-S dot O-R-G. And we are back on the Rocky Mountain Review. You just heard from Erin Shanley about Fort Collins Connection. I'm Coda Babcock, and these are COVID-19 updates for Thursday. There have been just under 2,100 cumulative cases of COVID-19 among Colorado State University students, faculty, and staff since May 2020, with almost no increase this week. Larimer County has a total of nearly 18,000 cases, with over 200 deaths related to COVID-19. There are 315 outbreaks, and the county is considered at high risk for transmission. But the county is starting to cool off from a recent spike and go back into the medium risk level. On Colorado's dial framework, the county is at level orange, high risk. There have been 68 new positive tests in the past 24 hours, and every day in the past two weeks has seen a minimum of 50 new cases. Only one day in the past two weeks has seen over 10% of administered tests come back positive for COVID-19, but the country's 14-day case rate is at over 280 per 100,000 residents. 33 COVID patients are currently receiving treatment in the county. Hospitalization is at 
Hospital utilization is at nearly 70%, and ICU utilization is at 73%, down significantly from last week. Statewide, there are just under 400,000 cases of COVID-19, and over 2.4 million people have been tested. There are 5,600 deaths among cases, and all but around 300 of those deaths have been connected directly to the disease. There are over 3,300 outbreaks in Colorado. Residential care for seniors in Colorado is remaining under close monitoring to prevent the spread of COVID-19 variants among vulnerable populations, according to a news release. Nationwide, there are over 26.5 million cases of COVID-19, and over 450,000 Americans have died. New cases are down by 30% in the past two weeks, and deaths have hit a plateau, meaning that there, there is neither a decrease or an increase in death rates. Hospitalizations have gone down by 23% in the past two weeks. Information for this segment was gathered from Colorado State University, Larimer County, the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment, National Public Radio, the New York Times Live Coronavirus Tracker, and the Centers for Disease Control. The only current ways to protect yourself from COVID-19 without both doses of the vaccine include washing your hands for at least 20 seconds with soap and water regularly, using hand sanitizer frequently, avoiding touching your face, wearing a cloth face mask or a medical-grade face mask, staying at home when possible, and maintaining social distance when interacting with others outside of your household. I'm Coda Babcock, and that's all for COVID-19 updates. Support for KCSU comes from the Colorado State University Prevention Research Center. The center is seeking 500 participants for a research study on problematic marijuana use. Participants will go through the enrollment process and complete surveys over a six-month period. Study participants must be 18 to 25, live in Colorado or Tennessee, and experience problematic marijuana use, as determined by the study screening. More information at weedstudy.org. Call 970-430-6277 or email weedstudy at colostate.edu. Now for tech news for Thursday. Conservative-focused social media site Parler has fired CEO John Mates after a fight with a donor. According to Bobby Allen at National Public Radio, the site became full of conspiracy theorists and a platform allowing for plots similar to that occurring at the Capitol on January 6th. Mates said that he was removed from Parler and had no part in that decision. The removal came after he discussed the future of free speech on the platform, as many web hosts refused to host the site and it's been taken off the App Store. In the discussion, Mates said that cracking down on domestic terrorism and conspiracy theorists would be necessary for the site's survival. Wednesday, Microsoft announced its support for a new Australian law that would require Google and Facebook to pay Australian media outlets for their resources. According to Reuters, Google and Facebook both responded to the law by saying they would be forced to remove some services from Australia if the regulations were put into place. Microsoft responded by saying that it would allow small firms to transfer their advertising programs over to its search engine Bing. Microsoft has also said that they would begin investing more into Bing to build competition and prevent Google from continuing to monopolize, monopolize the market for search engines. 
Jeff Bezos will be stepping down from his role as the Amazon CEO and moving into the position of executive chairman of the company. According to Alina Saluk and Shannon Bond at National Public Radio, Bezos will remain Amazon's largest shareholder through this transition, and he will be replaced by Andy Jassy. Jassy currently heads Amazon's Cash Cow Cloud Computing Division. Jassy has been working at Amazon for nearly its whole existence and is close with Bezos. He previously served as a CEO shadow technical, which allowed him to shadow Bezos in all his meetings starting in 2003. He's run web hosting services of Amazon since its launch in 2006. Apple Silicon computers will, will soon be able to use the downloaded form of GeForce, a game streaming service. According to Malcolm Owen at Apple Insider, GeForce will render gameplay to allow for Mac and MacBook users to play Windows-programmed games without the assistance of other technologies. The new update enhances support for Apple Silicon Macs specifically, which are the newest additions to the Apple computer family. Previously, these Apple users would have to depend on other programs or run the program in browser in order to play. This means that new Mac users can install and use GeForce the same way as Intel Mac users. I'm Coda Babcock, and that's all for tech news for today. Now for weird news with Ivy Winfrey. Hello there, my name is Ivy Winfrey, and you're listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. This is the Rocky Mountain Review. Sometimes we need to get a little bit weird with it. So here's a few of the weirdest stories I've heard from around the world today. The code being used to animate the Disney animated film Frozen has now been used by engineers to possibly solve a 62-year-old Russian cold case. According to Ryan George Andrews at National Geographic, the Ditalov Pass incident has inspired countless theories of the last 62 years regarding the death of nine Russian hikers who set out on a 200-mile trek through Russia's Ural Mountains in the winter of 1959. Now, engineers writing in the journal Communications Earth and Environment have presented data that suggests that hikers were killed by an avalanche, a theory that was criticized because earlier computer simulations showed that an avalanche would not be able to kill or incapacitate the hikers. However, thanks to Frozen, those criticisms have been debunked. The way that they did this was by taking the code used in the film to simulate how snow functions, as the code they used for the film was apparently one of the most accurate computer simulations of how snow currently developed. While the code doesn't answer every question about the case, the researchers said it posed the most credible explanation for the sudden disappearance thus far. United Kingdom Health Secretary Matt Hancock has said that the Matt Damon film Contagion is what informed the UK's vaccine distribution strategy. According to writers at ITV News, the health secretary said that the film helped demonstrate to him the importance of securing enough vaccines once they had been approved, though he was careful to point out it was not his sole inspiration for bulk buying jabs ahead of the pack. In the 2011 movie, directed by Steven Soddenberg, health officials scramble to contain a new deadly virus which becomes a pandemic after spread by an infected pig. Eventually, a vaccine is introduced to tackle the virus, but there are not enough doses to go around, and they are divvied up based on a lottery-style process. The cabinet minister told ITV's Good Morning Britain, quote, I think the safest thing to say is it wasn't my only source of advice on this issue, but I did watch the film. It is actually based on the advice of a very se serious epidemiologist. The insight that was so necessary at the start was that the big pressure on vaccines internationally would not be before they are approved. 
Of course, there was a huge amount of work then, but it was after they are approved. End quote. Scientists have taught spinach plants how to send emails to help warn us about climate change. According to rioters at Euronews, engineers at the Minnesota Institute of Technology used nanotechnology to transform spinach into sensors capable of detecting explosive materials. These plants are then able to wirelessly relay this information back to the scientists. When the spinach roots detect the presence of nitroaromatics in groundwater, a compound often found in explosives like landmines, the carbon nanotubes within the plant leaves emit a signal. The signal is then read by an infrared camera, sending an email alert to the scientists. The experiment is a part of a wider field of research which involves engineering electronic components and systems into plants. The technology is known as plant nanobionics and is effectively the process of giving plants new abilities. Professor Michael Strano, who led the research, explained, quote, Plants are very good analytical chemists. They have an extensive root network in the soil, are constantly sampling groundwater, and have a way to self-power the transport of that water up into the leaves. This is a novel demonstration of how we have overcome the plant-human communication barrier, end quote. While this purpose of this experiment was to detect explosives, Strano and other scientists believe it could be used to help warn researchers about pollution and other environmental conditions. Because of the vast amount of data plants absorb from their surroundings, they are ideally situated to monitor ecological changes. In the early phases of plant nanobionic research, Strano used nanoparticles to make plants into sensors for pollutants. By altering how the plants photosynthesize, he is able to have them detect nitric oxide, a pollutant caused by combustion. That's all the weird news I have for today. My name is Ivy Winfrey, and you're listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. This is the Rocky Mountain Review. And now for the weather. Today we experienced some pretty major winds at 18 miles per hour with some clouds and a high of 41 and the low of 27. Tomorrow will be about the same, but winds will slow down to 9 miles per hour with a high of 44 and a low of 28. Over the weekend, Fort Collins will start to see more sun with mostly sunny skies and 13 mile per hour winds on Saturday with a high of 45 and a low of 31. Sunday will heat up pretty drastically to a high of 53 with a low of 16. There will be tons of sun and winds reaching 16 miles per hour. There's about a 20% chance of rain or snow. Monday, the clouds will roll back in and winds will slow down to 11 miles per hour with a high of 41 and a low of 14. And Tuesday will cool down to just a high of 31 and a low of 6 degrees, with winds reaching 10 miles per hour. There will once again be about a 20% chance of snow. And for Wednesday, 
You'll have to tune in on Tuesday from 4 to 5 p.m. or on Spotify for our next episode of the Rocky Mountain Review, only on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. And that's all for today. We just wanted to thank Damien Castile for our amazing theme music that's playing right now. We'd like to thank Thomas Taylor, Asher Corrin, Stephanie Keel, Hannah Copeland, Addison Lambert, Elliot Hutchinson, Jonathan Gillum, Ben Kruger, Ben Haney, Dixon Lawson, Peter Walk, Taylor Sandal, and the rest of the staff here at KCSU and Rocky Mountain Student Media. We couldn't do this without you. And I'd like to thank you, Coda. And I'd like to thank you, Ivy. And finally, we couldn't do this without you, dear listener. Thank you. And with that, we'll see you next time. <laughs>